What is the long-term effect of too much information? One of them is that you need to be first, not even to be true. Whatever responsibility you all have to be, tell the truth. Not just to be first, but tell the truth. We live in a society now where the truth first. Here, get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care if it's true. Just say it, sell it. Anything you practice, you'll get good at. Including BS. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, Master of Ceremonies. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity, live and direct right now. On the TuneIn Radio app, search End of Days, and you'll find the 24-7 network. Catch the podcast rendition on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, Google Play, and YouTube. Go ahead and check that out there. My guest tonight is Dr. Susan Shemsky. She has dedicated her life to helping people take command of their lives and highly effective, powerful, positive ways. is the best-selling author of 11 books, a pioneer in the human potential field. She has spent more than 47 years teaching thousands of people meditation, prayer, intuition. Her book titles include Miracle Prayer, Divine Revelation, Exploring Meditation, Exploring Auras, Exploring Chakras, How to Hear the Voice of God, Instant Healing, Awakening your third eye. She has written so many books, it's quite remarkable to say. Of course, she has appeared over 750 media appearances since her first book was published. That is quite an accomplishment, I'd have to say. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Welcome back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight is going to be a bit of a rattlesnake. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Here we are, together again, like a big, happy, dysfunctional family. Thank you to those listening here in America and those listening outside of America right now. Wow. Love that. For those who are new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to you now. My name is Michael, and I am the host and producer of this very unique program. This is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in whenever you're little heart's desire. I'm always willing to talk to you for better or for worse. I won't hang up. Stay focused. That number is 760-332-8947. Let's hear those sweet little voices. 760-332-8947. Go ahead and add me over Skype. That's end of day's mic with the letter Y and not the letter I. As I said, this is a very different kind of show. Most of you are already pre-programmed in some weird way. I'm hoping to deprogram some of you out there tonight. For those who don't know, I was just on the other night with Diane Bischoff-James discussing all sorts of things ranging from relationships to the Akashic Records. We covered a number of things here on the program. It was a very personal interview. Before I go any further, please go to michaeldeacon.com for any episode... You might have missed. Now let's get down to brass tacks now. Let's bring on our first guest. Let's see what's going on with... Whoa, what was all that? I have no idea. It sounds like it's from my website. You must have my website up, and you must be listening to the oh my audio. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah, that was on the other window there. I'm sorry about that. Wow. Not a problem. Yeah, I had no idea that was on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm running two <laughs> okay. different. Not a problem. Fine. Yeah, so I'm glad you're here. How are you, by the way? <laughs> Doing great. How are you? I can't complain. Always a honor and pleasure to be here doing this program with all the listeners out there. I have a really different kind of audience, a very unique kind of audience. Uh, yeah, what kind? Oh, they are very diverse. It's kind of remarkable Thanks. how many different demographics there are in this, in this group here. It's remarkable. I, I can't say enough, but before, uh, we, we talk about all these other things, let's talk about you. Let's get back to <laughs> what's important here. Um, Susan, this is your first time here on the program. I'd love for you to take us down memory lane here and <laughs> explain to us how we got to where we are today. Okay. Well, I've been practicing spiritual disciplines for over 40 years. I was in the ashram of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. He was the guru of the Beatles and the guru of Deepak Chopra. I was in his ashram for 22 years. I was on his, uh, in, I was under his guidance for 22 years and I was in his ashram uh, during that time and I was on his personal staff for seven of those years. And then after that, I wrote, I have 13 books now in print. I started writing books kind of late in my life, started in like 1990. And now I have 13 books in print and I just completed a 14th book that'll be coming out next year. And um, I teach something called Divine Revelation which is about learning how to listen to the still, small voice of God within, being able to access our divine intuitive guidance and receive healing, love, inspiration, and wisdom from within ourselves. And, uh, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time in meditation and a lot of time in spiritual practices for 50 years. You have written an extensive amount of books, Susan. My goodness. How do you yeah. do it? Mm -hmm. How do you do it? Uh, I just sit on the chair. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah, that, my, that's butt, the... my butt gets kind of sore, but I just sit there and do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what well, can I say? That's a, yes, that's a simple answer. <clears throat> yeah. For sure. But yes, you cover a wide range of exquisite subjects, and mm -hmm. I, I'm totally well, curious. They're all, related, they're all related to spirituality, meditation, intuition. Also, I've written some books on energy, like, for example, uh, books about chakras and auras. And also about prayer. I have a couple of books on prayer, Miracle Prayer and Instant Healing. Mainly, my main books are really Divine Revelation and Awaken Your Divine Intuition and How to Hear the Voice of God, which those books are about how to hear that inner voice, that divine voice within. And also how to tell the difference, how to know whether it's real, whether it's really the divine voice talking to you and not some other voice, how to attain that kind of spiritual discernment so that you can tell the difference. So all of the, my books are all how-to books, self-help, how-to spiritual books. But I have written a recent one that's a memoir, actually. I just finished that, and it'll come out next year. <clears throat> oh, yes. That's your, your latest book is Awaken Your Third Eye, correct? Actually, my latest book is Color Your Chakras. Oh, Color Your Chakras, yes. And I got that Color Your Chakras, here. and that came out uh, last year. And then um, in 2018... Uh, my book, uh, Maharishi and Me, will be coming out. That is, um, you won't find it anywhere on the Internet yet. Uh, it'll be coming out in 2018. And that's my memoir. But, Susan, how on earth did you get involved in all of this? Well, you know, it's interesting. 
I was a hippie. It was the 1960s. I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And those of us who were in that kind of spiritual revolution, I think you might want to really call it that, we were really very keen on experiencing spiritual awakening and higher states of consciousness. That was the main focus of flower children at that time, which is what I was. I was a hippie. I was a flower child. And so I was looking at the Buddhist scriptures. I was looking at, I was reading Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. I read several books on consciousness, anything that I could find about higher consciousness and, and altered states of consciousness. Uh, that, that's what I was reading. And I was reading Alan Watts' books, including The Way of Zen. And in Alan Watts' books, he said that you have to find a meditation guide. Well, in 1966 in Berkeley, California, you didn't exactly go to the yellow pages and find (laughs) meditation guide or anything remotely similar (laughs) to that. So I, I asked a roommate, I said, well, how do I find this meditation guide? He said, well, have you, have you ever tried to meditate on your own? And I said, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I lay down on my bed. That's how clueless I was. I didn't even know that you're supposed to sit up when you meditate. Right. I lay in my bed and I kind of prayed for or asked for a meditation. Immediately I was propelled into an ecstatic state. I could feel this incredible shock, this kind of electric energy running from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. And it felt like a cord of energy, like I was plugged into an electric cord of energy that was running through the midline of my body. And it was a very ecstatic experience. A very intense but ecstatic experience. And I thought, well, I guess this is meditation. You know, what did I know? Little did I know that I had not only had my first meditation experience, but my kundalini awakening all at the same time. So that was my first meditation. And then it wasn't too long after that that a friend brought me to the Transcendental Meditation Center. And uh, that's where I learned uh, TM. And I got very involved immediately because it was, you know, it was exactly what I'd been looking for. I wanted to meditate. I was very desirous of that. So it was not, I don't know, three years after that, I ended up in India in Rishikesh with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi uh, studying on the banks of the Ganges River. And I was age 22 at the time that I went to India. Yeah, I believe that was the same mentor. Actually, 21. Actually, 21. Yeah, that's the same. 22, while I was there. The same mentor you had is the same as the Beatles, as as you said earlier, and that's the same mentor that Marshall Masters had. Another previous oh, guest okay, here. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. That's why yeah, Marshall Masters. I've been I've been mm-hmm. on his show several times. I I love him. He's great. Yeah, he's awesome. In fact, I invited him to one of my cruises. I do these cruise seminars at sea, and I invited him to come to one, but he didn't. Didn't end up going. I, I hope that he does come on a future one. Oh, tell me about this cruise. Well, I, I do cruises. I have like two or three a year. This year, let's see, I just finished Intuition Cruise, and then I'll be doing a Greek Isle cruise in October. And then in November, I'll be doing something called Ancient Mysteries Revealed, which is at ancientmysteriesrevealed.com. And on that cruise, we're going to learn about ancient cultures, artifacts, and it'll be really interesting. And we're also going to visit an amazing petroglyph site in Las Labradas in Mexico, near Mazatlan. There's this amazing Mm -hmm. site that has 1,000 petroglyphs right along the edge of the ocean there. It's a gorgeous place. Mm -hmm. And we're going to also do a shamanic ceremony at that site. And then at another site that we're going to go to in Cabo San Lucas, we're going to ask our wonderful grandmother, Elizabeth Araujo, who's a from the Council of Mayan Elders in, in Guatemala. She'll be doing an authentic 
Mayan fire ceremony right there on the sand on the beach. That'll be really exciting too. So we have some really cool things in store. Also, um, a Tamaz call authentic sweat lodge ceremony. We're going to do that as well in Puerto Vallarta. So we have sweat lodge. great things planned and it'll, it'll be really fun and we're going to have an awesome cruise to sounds, Mexico. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah. So I do these cruises all over different places and I, I got a really lot of fun, and we have a, real, a lot of famous mm-hmm. speakers who come to these cruises. I, I gotta ask you though, Susan, how exactly is the trip on, on one of these cruises? As you know, well, how what? you you don't. I, I was gonna explain to you how I I get easily seasick, so I'm not sure if I would ever go on a cruise. How exactly are the waters? Well, yeah, I mean, if you get motion sickness in a car, it's not a good idea to go on a cruise because you'll get sick. But of course you can take medication for it and you can, I mean, like my friend gets really seasick and she went on my last cruise. She just took medication and she was okay, you know, Oh. Okay. but yeah, people, people do go on cruises, even if they're seasick. In fact, strangely enough, my travel agent who goes on every one of the cruises, she has to medicate herself. That's so funny. Really seasick. Isn't yeah. that weird? I, I worry about that sort of thing. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's something to, Consider and also, I must say, you have been on uh, numerous television programs. You were even on with the late I've been Alan. On a few, yeah. You were even on with the late Alan Combs. I was, yes, I certainly was. I don't know. I, I think they deleted that from their website. I think though, because I don't Did think they? it shows up on my website anymore. Oh. After I... he uh, died, I don't know. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he was a fun personality, I'd have to say. And moving on here, I, I did want to talk about your book, Awaking Your Third Eye, here. I've always, yeah, that's a, yeah, that book came out in uh, let's see, 2016, I guess. Yeah, let, let's get into that here. I always talk about that sort of thing on the program, opening your third eye, <clears> activating <throat> it, but there's there's lots of confusion about the third eye and let's let's go over some of those things let's start with the basics what exactly is your third eye and how can one open it uh, yes the third eye is it's in your subtle body we have this gross physical body but we also have a subtle body and we have several layers to our subtle body one of those layers is called the pranamaya kosha or the or the vital body we might translate that as vital air body or vital body which consists of what they call chi in China and prana, they call it in India and ki, they call that in Japan. Yes. And that, that energy body, that's where our energy centers are, all of our chakras. And the, one of the seven major chakras is called the agya chakra, which is the third eye, which is right in the center of your head and located in the pineal gland. So that is the location of the third eye. But what is the third eye? What does it do? Well, the third eye is the eye of illumination. It's the eye of intuition. So our intuition, our ability to see, hear, and feel subtle energies, that's right there in the pineal gland area in what we call the third eye or agya chakra. So that is the seat of our uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience. And we can develop that by awakening the third eye. So that's what that book is about. It's called Awaken Your Third Eye. By the way, if anyone out there is looking at the logo of, of the show here, 
you can actually see the symbology for the third eye in the logo. I'm not sure if you. Yeah, maybe use that. I'm not sure if you. Have you seen the logo of this show, by the way? Uh, no, I'll go there right now. What's the website? MichaelDeacon.com. Mm-hmm. If you look to your left, there is a um a Twitter stream, I guess you could say, on the left hand side, and there's a photo of you there, and there's a good picture of the logo. Many people aren't even aware of the symbology behind the logo that's created for this program. But yeah, that is for the third eye, the pineal gland. Right. Which looks just like it inside. But yes, there's many different shortcuts as well to activate your methodical third eye. Even the use of drugs can help you get there. But of course, I wouldn't exactly recommend people to use anything illegal or mind-altering. Don't want to get anyone in trouble well, now. Well, yeah. I, I actually, having experimented with drugs when I was a hippie in the 1960s, sure. and having given that up and spent all, since, all the time since then, which is 50 years since then, practicing meditation, I can say that drugs are not a helpful thing in your path of spiritual awakening. Uh, drugs actually damage your brain and they're not going to help you to awaken your uh, supersensory abilities. Meditation is the best way to do that, not drugs. Yeah. So that's I, just my opinion. I wouldn't recommend anyone. From experience. For sure. I wouldn't recommend anyone doing anything like that. But th- there are those who want to go right into that, though, of course, and they want to do things like DMT and I guess even the psilocybin mushroom can help get you there at times. But of course, well, the very interesting, mm-hmm. the fascinating thing is that DMT is produced by the pineal gland. That's the, that's yes. the really interesting thing, is that now it's been shown and it's been proven that that DMT is in fact, uh, in it, it, there were experiments done, and they found out that in rats that D, DMT is produced in the pineal gland of rats. And rats are, you know, they're our cousins. They are mammals like we are. So uh, it's fascinating that 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 was discovered because all along it has been said that the pineal gland or the, let's say, the third eye, which is situated in the pineal gland, Mm -hmm. that that is the center of higher consciousness and higher awareness and spiritual experiences. So the fact that it's produced naturally, that DMT is produced naturally in that gland, that just proves that what what people have been saying all along, what the ancients have been saying all along about the third eye is correct. I agree, yes. And, of course, we naturally produce dimethyltryptamine when we sleep and, of course, when we are about to experience death. It's quite phenomenal, yes. really. Indeed it is. Yes, the principal seat of the soul as they say. Also, I read it takes 49 days for the pineal gland to appear in the fetus. Now, that is remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rick, St- Rick Strassman is the guy who wrote DMT, the spirit molecule, and he's the one that did mm-hmm. extensive scientific research on DMT in New Mexico in the 1990s, and that's where it was discovered that it's produced in, in rats. So it's actually the Cottonwood Research Foundation made the discovery in 2013. Nice. Yes, I believe I saw that documentary. Very well done, The Spirit Molecule. For those who haven't seen it, it's been out long enough, though, right? 
I think many people well, have. Well, that's books that I was talking about. DMT, the Spirit Molecule is a book, but it, they pop, probably made a documentary out of it. I yeah, imagine. I believe seen it on Netflix I, I, a couple years ago, perhaps. I think it was. And what exactly are some of the advantages of opening our third eye? What would you say those were? Well, the advantages are that you develop your intuition and that that connection to spirit and that really is the most vital and important thing anybody can do or learn, in my opinion, because what you're doing is you're awakening your connection to your higher self, to the divine presence, and also you're awakening to intuition. And that is extremely valuable, especially these days when people really can't figure out what to do with themselves, especially since they can't count on anything that they used to be able to count on, their pensions, their religions, their bank accounts, you know, anything. They can't really rely on anything. But there's one thing that they can rely on if they develop it, and that is their intuition. So if you can open uh, your third eye, open to your inner guidance and intuition, then you'll always be able to be able to ask any question and receive divine guidance at any time and know exactly what path to follow because then you are led by spirit. And that is the crux of what I teach is to help people to be led by spirit, to be able to listen to that still small voice within and follow it and be guided by it. I did want to ask you this question here. What exactly is the dog star? The dog star is serious and it is believed to be uh, a symbol of the third eye. And uh, that is, from ancient times, people believed in the dog star as being a very spiritual place, a spiritual symbol, uh, and it shows up uh, particularly in Masonic kind of uh, uh, Masonic kind of art, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it all over the world as a symbol for the third eye. Understood. Um, by the way, Susan, were your parents religious by any chance? They were atheists and agnostics. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't hear that very often. Ha, ha, ha. That's so funny. And yeah. when you were going to India and, and doing all these all these things, what were, what were they thinking? Actually, they were happy because I wasn't taking drugs anymore. <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. They were relieved. Oh, that's so funny. So, obviously, you were a fan of Timothy Leary. Uh, yes, yes, of course. We all were back then. I give him a, a little a little tribute here every time I come on the program. I, I say, turn on, tune in, and drop out. Turn on, tune in, drop out. That's That was our creed way back in the 60s. Yeah, I start off the show no. saying that all the time. <laughs> That's my tribute, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. I, I, I get you. I understand. I'm the, sure you weren't around back then, were you? I wasn't, but I, I <laughs> too have... Too young, yes. <laughs> too young for that. Too, way too young for that, but I, I have many older friends who experienced that and they tell me all the time what, what they experienced back then. And, and of course those, those days seemed like a lot of fun, I have to say. Uh, they weren't fun for me. <laughs> oh, they weren't. <laughs> no, not until I learned meditation. It was not fun, no. Hmm. No, I had, I actually, uh, had a psychotic breakdown from taking LSD. Gee, Susan, so, no, let, it let's. It was not fun for me. No. My goodness, Susan, let's talk about that because I had no idea that you experienced something like that. So, wow. Uh, you, yeah. You got a little uh, out yeah. of control there, huh? 
Yes. I mean, of course, you do get out of control when you go on LSD. No doubt. That's the point. Yeah, right. But, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the reality was that I never came down from LSD. I, I continued to, to be on LSD for months. It never came down, ever. My goodness. And, uh, yeah, it was really not pleasant. I was having hallucinations. I was hearing things. I was uh, in tremendous fear. It, it was horrible. I was having all kinds of experiences oh, that my. were very strange. And uh, I had to actually take drugs. I had to take Thorazine in order to, you know, come mm. down from the yeah. acid trip I of understand. several months. Yes. So it was not fun for me. And what exactly, well, I, I hope I'm not, you know, pushing you against the wall here with, with these questions, but I, I'm curious to know how exactly did well, how exactly did you get off of these off off of the LSD? There, did you come to some sort of breaking point in your life? How did I get off the LSD? What do you mean? I, I only took LSD like three times. You only took it three times? And I, cert- I certainly didn't want to take it. The third time I took it, I actually okay. Let me let me describe that my third LSD trip, my third and last LSD trip. So on the third and last LSD trip, I uh, I found a guy who was going to be my LSD guide. He was going to be my meditation right. guide for LSD. Right. And he had had a lot of experience. So we went to Big Sur, and then we were looking overlooking the ocean on the big cliff on Big Sur. And we took the tabs, and and he was able to get white lightning, which is pure acid, not cut with meth, not cut with speed. You know, it was pure. Right. So we took the tabs, and then and then uh, all of a sudden I woke up. I, uh, let's say I became conscious, mm. and I and the, he was lying on the grass asleep, and I shook him and I said, "Hello, you know, where are where are we?" And he <laughs> said, "Oh." I'm sorry, I, you know, I crashed. And I said, uh, well, what happened? And he said, you don't know what happened? He said, you've been lying there for four and a half hours. Wow. With a beatific, beatific smile on your face <laughs> in bliss. And I said, what? He said, yeah, four oh and a half. I said, that's impossible. He said, no, you've been lying there for four and a half hours. So basically I went completely into bliss, but I was totally unconscious. And so I felt like I'd been ripped off because I wasn't experienced. I was, you know, the whole purpose was to experience nirvana. Yeah, sure, I experienced yeah. nirvana. I went into complete emptiness, and I didn't have any recollection of what happened. So that was my third LSD trip. Damn. And then as I came out of that, I was listening. I could hear in the trees and in the bushes and everything around me. I could hear all this music, and I said, oh, I hear the music. He said, what music? I said, in the trees and the bushes, there's music. He said, no, no, there's no music. You're just, you know, you're on a trip. So. And then, uh, you know, that was my last LSD trip, okay? I hear you. And I had, even after my third and last LSD trip, um, I had horrible flashbacks. But yes. But at least that one was a pleasant experience. I was in bliss, but I just don't even remember it. Right. Uh, my <laughs> so goodness. My it must have been that good. experience with LSD. It was that good that you don't even remember it. My God. I just went into bliss. Yes. Understood. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's a very personal story there. I mean, I, I, let me just tell you, I had a friend who was very much into psychedelics. He would always be trying to get me to smoke DMT with him, and I would look at him like he was insane. 
there's no way I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Dimethyltryptamine is is just not it's not it's definitely not something I want to experiment with. That's just going a little too far. The psilocybin mushrooms, uh, I'm I'm okay with taking that. I'll admit that here on this program. However, crossing that line, that's a little too much, I'd have to say. Perfectly well, it's the fine. same thing that's in ayahuasca. Ayahuasca yeah, is DMT. It's the same thing, but of course, that's just going into the spirit world at that point. I'm not ready to go into that dimension. Okay. Oh, yeah. My friend, he was completely I into did, I don't recommend drugs at all. I just think people can do this, all of this through meditation. That's yeah, people, my experience. Yeah, and and I have can. a lot of experience with that, so I know. Mm-hmm. People can definitely do it naturally. And I'm curious, by the way, what exactly is your opinion on UFOs? My friend who was completely into psychedelics claimed that he could summon UFOs when he was on psychedelics. It was kind of insane because I had another friend who backed him up in this when they were all on some trip. Allegedly, well, UFOs actually showed up. Any, you can have any hallucination when you're on drugs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's real. It, that's what I was telling them. But uh, UFOs, yeah, they might exist. I don't know. I've never encountered one personally. You, but you, you have they no opinion. Are around. You have no opinion on UFOs or extraterrestrials, nothing of that nature. Well, I, I've never experienced one, uh, but a lot of people have. Lots of people have, yes. How about now, whether you, they are, whether they're UFOs or whether they're mm-hmm. extra-dimensional beings? I don't know. They might be from some other dimension, or they might be from some other planet. More likely, they're from another dimension. If you want my real opinion about it i hear you i was just curious because that is one little topic i always throw out there to the guests here on this program and another i like to ask all the guests what was your childhood like did you have a normal childhood would you say yeah yeah it was normal mm-hmm. normal everything i was raised like mm-hmm. i said by atheists that's pretty <laughs> normal yeah they're very realistic then if they were atheists Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, no strange um, sleep paralysis or anything like that. No, as a matter of fact, I really was really didn't have any what you might call spiritual experiences until much well, later on in life. That's not, and that's not entirely true. I did try to try to communicate with God when I was young, but I didn't have a whole lot of luck with that. <laughs> well, well, now I'm curious. What were you doing? Just asking God oh, just, to come and talk to me and God. stuff, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't get any answer. Oh, you heard the silence, huh? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes silence is golden. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh yes. Now, I I do want to go back and talk about chakras. I okay. Yes, I attended. Yeah, I wrote a the, couple books on that. Uh huh. You attended, attended? Yes. I attended the Conscious Life Expo, which I believe you were there as well. Sure, I was. I spoke there. In fact, I spoke on chakras. <laughs> and you, yes, I actually got the whole. Um, you know how there were there were all these booths everywhere. There was one in particular. They were doing these scans for your chakras, and I believe I had a really big crown. I was wondering what what exactly does that mean? What to have a big crown chakra? Mm-hmm. It means you're spiritually. Awakened. They didn't really explain Strictly that to me evolved. though. They, they didn't give me an answer. I was I was thinking you made me pay like twenty dollars for this and you're not explaining <laughs> anything to me. Yeah, I'm like, that what's is- going on here? I paid you this money and you're not telling me anything. How am I <laughs> supposed to know? Free. I'll give you the answer for free. I know. Thank so, you. So yeah, it just means that you've got um, higher consciousness going on, uh, big 
big crown chakra means uh, highly spiritually awakened, spiritually evolved. Well, I'm going to have to agree on that one for sure. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> it's funny. That, right? And it's funny because I accredit that to psilocybin mushrooms. When I had my first experience a couple years back, that that really was a, a spiritual awakening for me, I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it is for lots of people out there. Of course. Yeah, but I don't recommend drugs. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't. I don't either. I, I'm with you on that because you could easily become addicted to these sort of things. No, that's not the reason that I don't, that I don't, no, I, I don't think you can become addicted to those things. You can become addicted to crack and, you know, and uh, cocaine, but <clears throat> I, I've never mm-hmm. heard of anybody becoming addicted to psychedelics. That's not the reason I don't recommend. I don't recommend it because it's not going, it's going to damage your nervous system and your, and your precious nervous system is what's going to allow you to experience genuine higher consciousness. You have to keep your nervous system intact if you want really to get spiritually awake and then enlightened. You have to have a, a nervous system that is clean and pure and intact. Oh yes. And I'm with you on that one too, by the way. I, I'm just speaking from watching a friend of mine who, like I said, was just completely into psychedelics for a very long time, but of course he got out of all that sort of thing. And now he's like a completely different guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he became very religious. Oh. Yeah, he's a big Christian now. Yeah. Mm. I didn't think that would happen to him. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was a, a big atheist for a long time. And then he, like I said, he was hardcore into psychedelics for about five years. And then all of a sudden he changed. Now he's this Christian. At least he's, hmm. at least he's happier now though. That's, that's a good thing. Some people find happiness in all sorts of weird things. I mean, some people even collect stamps and find happiness, Susan. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how that makes sense, but there's that. <laughs> that's true. It's remarkable. Thank you for explaining that to me about the chakras again, because like I said, I, I paid and I didn't get no explanation whatsoever. How sad is that? <laughs> that's, that's funny. It was. By the oh way, what, what was your experience like at the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles? Did you have fun? Yeah, I always have fun when I go to the expo, but I don't really do a whole lot except for, you know, teach there. Um, let's see. Did I, I attended, did I attend any? Yeah, did you... I think I went to see Nas, Nas, Nasim Haramin. I mm. liked him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's interesting. Yeah, there was there was a number of panels, and of course there was a lot of food going around. Did you happen to eat any food there? Not at the expo, no. Yeah, but there's... I have in the past. Yeah, there's lots there's other... lots of stuff going on out lots there, which is mm-hmm. always incredible. And by the way, I, I was gonna ask you another question here. How to hear the voice of God. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Now? Well, it's really, it's, it's that, it, that inner voice is really the voice of your higher self. And so it's deep within you. And probably the easiest and best way to do that is just to take some deep breaths. Well, actually first sit down in the chair, close your eyes, get comfortable, then take some deep breaths and then take some more deep breaths and a few more deep breaths. And get into a really quiet state because the deep breaths will take you into a deeper and deeper state of meditation. And then the next thing to do is to ask, ask a question, ask for guidance, ask for inspiration, ask 
for something very specific, better, you know, ask a specific question is the best thing to do. And then take another big deep breath. And then you do what I call the do nothing program. That means do nothing, nothing and less than nothing. And when you're in that do nothing state, then the still small voice will speak to you. Within your heart, you'll receive either words or a vision or a feeling. And that will be the answer to your question that you ask. So it's really that simple. That's that's really, in a nutshell, how to do that. Very cool. Yeah, I am going over all your books as I have in the past couple of weeks here and lots of material to go over. And, of course, we don't exactly have all the time in the world to go over all that material, of course. Moving on here, I, I did want to cover the afterlife with you here, which is something that every time I, I talk about the afterlife, I somehow become a little anxious, a, a little... A little worried. The afterlife is kind of scary for me. I'm not sure if you I think it's scary, scary for most people because most people are not really, uh, you know, th- their desire isn't to die and leave the body and, you know, go on to the next experience. People are not really very enthusiastic to do that. People fear death. So it's not unusual that you would f- have fear about the afterlife. Most people do. But those who have actually been there and done that, those people who have had near-death experiences, they report that it's nothing but an incredibly loving presence and a brilliant divine white light and and that it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And most of them were really disappointed that they had to come back. So have you ever experienced- those who have had this experience report uh, what it's like and it's nothing to be afraid of. Have you had an outer body experience or a near-death experience, Susan? Well, I've had tons of -of out-of-body experiences. I've never had a near-death experience. Ooh. Yeah, those are not pleasant. I believe I had one myself. It was many... What? Death? What's that? What? Tell me, what did you have? Oh, it was, was, I guess, an outer-body near-death experience, I have to say. This happened to me many, many moons ago outside of my parents' house back when I was... I believe I might have been a sophomore or a junior in high school when this happened to me. But I went outside and I was opening up a can of beer. I know. Drinking underage. So I was about to drink this beer. And as I'm, as I'm doing it, I literally just fall back and I hit, I hit the, I hit the street. I hit the pavement there. My head hits, hits the, the pavement pretty hard there. And I literally have a seizure, and I happen to have three seizures in one day, and I don't remember any of any of it. And the doctors don't know what happened to me, and they never gave me any clear answers, to be honest with you. They don't know what happened to me. And I haven't had anything like that happen to me since. And when so, I went... So when you I, don't, rec- you when, don't remember your, your near-death experience then? No, I do. I was just getting there. The, the thing is, I saw myself from a different perspective, a different sort of, I, I saw myself, I guess, at a, at a really strange angle. It, it was like I was floating above my body, but I was kind of further away at, at a weird angle. It's hard to explain to you, but I saw myself there laying there and it seemed like I was laying on the ground and I was outside my body for about five minutes, but I know it wasn't nearly that long. They had told me I was I was only out for about a minute at the most, but 
during that time, I saw myself from a different perspective there, which seemed like five minutes. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really scary feeling to see yourself outside of your body. It was scary for you? It, it scared the hell out of me, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. when I that's when I realized we are a lot more than just this physical body. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also you have to you have to consider one thing, and that is you saw yourself. Saw that means you used the sense of sight to see yourself. Right. Yet you were not in the body. Exactly. Which indicates that the sense of sight, hearing, taste, smell, feel, all of our senses are not in our physical body. They're in our subtle body. So you had that experience. Yeah, it, it's a very humbling experience. Life-changing experience mm-hmm. it was for me, I'd say. Cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good experience to me. It was a good experience, but the afterlife, of course, is, is always a little scary for me still. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not an atheist, by the way, and I'm not religious. I'm not a Christian. I, I don't really, I don't, I'm not really any of those things, to be honest with you. I mm-hmm. guess I guess you could say I'm spiritual. I'm a yeah, I'm, I'm a spiritualist. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would consider myself. And going back to your your parents, will really quickly here, are are they still around? No, that would make them uh, <laughs> really old. <laughs> well, some people's parents are are around at a very old age. Yeah, that's it's possible, I guess. But no, they haven't been around for a very long oh, time. Oh, both parents passed already. A long, long, long ago, yes. Oh, okay. Ago. I'm, 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 uh, 69 myself, so. Oh. No, they're not around. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that fact. Well, yeah. You can do the math. I was talking about being a hippie in the 60s. <laughs> That's why I'm like, wait a minute. Dad, you did say you were a hippie, so. Gotta got be kind of old if you were a hippie in the 60s. <laughs> right. That's so funny. So. Mm-hmm. Again, your, your books, my goodness, Susan, Again, I, I don't know how you, you do it. You, you have so many damn books. <laughs> I don't either since I only started in 1990 to write books. You know, it's not like I've been writing books my whole life, so. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's just kind of astonishing you've been pumping these books out. Yeah. What exactly is the writing process for you? I know you just sit there and, and the answers seem to come to you, right? Mm-hmm. I just sit there and do it, yeah. I just do it. Just happens. It's like any anything in my life. I just do it. I don't, you know. Would you say it's kind of like a, a download of information for you? Mm, I, I wouldn't call it a download. A download, like that, sounds like something that comes all at once. No, it's not a download. Hmm. It's a trickle of information that comes as I'm typing. Well, here's another one. What what time? Do you remember what time it is when you start writing? By the way, what time it is of day? Mm-hmm. All I know is that. It's like hours go by. Hours <laughs> go by. go by. Awesome. And then it's already, you know, I forgot to eat and I forgot to do anything. <laughs> and I forgot everything. And yes. now it's, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. I know exactly what you mean. I, I do mm-hmm. lots and lots of writing for this program. I'm, I don't think many people are aware of that, but I, yeah. I do lots of writing. And I notice the best time when I when I write the best stuff is usually... At around one, two, three in the morning. So I was just, uh-huh. I was just curious if perhaps you wrote at a specific time in the day or night. Um, just pretty much all mm-hmm. the time. If I'm writing a book, I'll be writing from early. I'll be writing all day, you know, 
whenever I get up until I go to bed. <laughs> right. Much. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I'm always curious about those who write books. I I think one day I'm going to write a book. That'd be cool. I mean, what are you going to write about? I'm going to write about my life and how cool. tremendous it's been. I mean, I've experienced some <laughs> awesome. really, really strange things and lots of things I haven't been able to share with the audience here. There's lots of stories I have that I haven't been able to tell my audience, and I feel really bad for that. But I don't want to... I don't want to incriminate myself that much here. Come on now. Right, Susan? I don't know. If you're going to write a book about it, that means it'll be out there for everybody to see. Here, read. Well, I, I could, I could say someone else wrote that. I could say yeah, someone. You can have a, you I can could say someone. A fake name, pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can but. Do that. that too, but I could, I could blame it on, on the editor and say they added some parts in. That's how I can get away <laughs> no, with it. No, you can't. No, you can't. Oh. Everybody knows. That the editor doesn't add parts in. Come on, Susan, pretend. <laughs> That's not gonna work. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm only kidding. But yes, let, let's <laughs> let's talk about these workshops that you do and these seminars. Do you have a, another seminar coming up, Susan? Do I have a seminar coming up? Let me think. Well, I've got this cruise coming up. All I know is that I've just been on a marathon for the last six months, writing day and night, day and night, day and night, and not even having time to sleep, just like four or five hours sleep every night for six months, and no time to do anything other than then write. just <laughs> edit. And edit. So, um, yeah, that's all I was doing was editing and rewriting. And um, <clears throat> so I don't even know what's coming up, except for I do know that there's a cruise coming up. And actually, the next cruise is the one, the Greek Isle cruise in October, which is going to all these amazing places in the Mediterranean. And that um, will be coming up. And then Ancient Mysteries Revealed cruise, uh, sailing out of Los Angeles to Mexico. And so those are some things that are coming up in the future. I can't even think of of anything else at the moment. You attended the Conspiracy Cruise? I produced the conspiracy cruise. I didn't uh-huh. just attend it. I, you pr- I actually oh, produce all these cruises. I'm the, I'm the cruise producer. I'm the cruise director. I'm the cruise everything. Damn, the Susan. Kahuna, you're, the cruise kahuna. You're, you're controlling all of it. I had no clue. Yeah, all these cruises are my creation. What exactly gave you that idea to go on all these cruises? Well, I had been doing, I had been conducting retreats and seminars and, uh, doing lots of conferences and and I had been doing um a lot of different live events, different kinds of live events. And I then I thought, well, why don't I try a conference on a cruise ship? So the first one I did was in twenty eleven and then I've done two to three cruises every year since then. So I've done a lot of cruises since twenty eleven. That's when I started. So yeah, it's been cool. Very nice. Now, I can't promise you that I'll ever attend one of these cruises because, A, I am afraid of getting seasick. Right. And, B, I'm afraid if that thing goes down, we're all going to die. So, there's <laughs> well, no I mean, there's no way I'm going to do it. Every time you get into your car, you could die. You could die in an auto crash anytime. I know, that's true. <clears throat> I'm just being dramatic here for yeah i guess so yeah, yeah I'm just being over dramatic here no doubt 
But mm-hmm. Now, a- another pressing issue here I have to ask you about is, of course, psychic vampirism. Mm-hmm. Is this something you're into, this subject? Into? Are you interested I'm into in this? The subject. I'm into helping people with any kind of untoward energies, like psychic vampirism, mm-hmm. like astral entities, uh, anything that's going to drain people's energy, anything that's going to bring them into a lower state of consciousness or make them ill physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, yeah, I, um, I have some cures and remedies for that. And nice. mostly it's through affirmation and prayer. Okay, let, let's jump into some of this here. What exactly is yeah. a, sank, uh, a psychic vampire? Well, a psychic vampire would be somebody that's draining your energy. Uh, it could be a person who is very needy and they're always calling you up and bugging you and stopping by and dropping by and, and giving you long, 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 long lectures, talking to you on the phone for hours, uh, trying to get close to you, trying to, trying to, it's like they're taking your energy from you. Mm-hmm. And then when you leave that person, you just feel drained. You feel like they've been sucking you dry. So that would be what a psychic vampire is. Have you ever had any of those experiences, Susan? Sure. I think I think just about everybody has had experiences of psychic vampirism around them. I think some people aren't even aware. They might not be aware of it. They just think it's, you know, their eccentric aunt or whatever. But in fact, it's a psychic vampire. You know, it's somebody who's draining your energy. And you really, you know, I, I don't think it's a very healthy thing. I think it's better to uh, distance yourself from somebody like that and cut psychic ties with them and also do some healing prayers so that you are uh, no longer prey to psychic vampirism. Uh, a, for example, mm-hmm. a self-authority affirmation that I teach people to do, which I could teach your audience right now, which was very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So here's here's the affirmation for self-authority, which is really good. It's anytime you feel like anything is draining your energy or you feel like you need a little boost or you feel like uh, like you're a little bit intimidated about anything or anyone, it's a good idea to use this affirmation before you go into, a, for example, an important meeting, mm-hmm. maybe uh, interview, something like that, you know, use this affirmation. And it goes like this. I am in control. I am one with God. I am the only authority in my life. I am divinely protected by the light of my being. I close off my aura and body of light to the lower astral levels of mind. And I open to the spiritual world. Thank you, God. And so it is. Very nice. Now I have to remember that and, and say that to myself in my head. Yeah, it's powerful. It was powerful, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go into astral possession here because yes. I know lots of folks out there are into astral projection and I myself have experimented with it for a number of years here on the program. I've talked about that. Are you someone who also has experienced and dabbled in astral projection Susan. Oh, uh, no, I, I don't recommend it. I think it's very dangerous. Oh, really? You think it's pretty dangerous? Yes. Do you, do. do you think it's dangerous because you're opening yourself up to possibly astral possession from these entities that are out there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then that's when, I guess that's when you could start saying your affirmations. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, uh, for example, the self-authority affirmation that I just did, but there, I, there is also affirmations for, uh, for curing astral possession, you know, for example. In fact, my book, Instant Healing, has 243 healing affirmations and prayers in it that are, you know, you can just find something for almost any occasion in that book. You could just look in the appendix if you have a problem and you're emotionally upset about something. If you go to the back of the uh, book, you'll be able to look up what it is that you want to pray for. And then you just go to that page and uh, and you use the prayer. And they're very, very effective. The reason I call it instant healing is because affirmations always work and they always work instantly. In other words, it changes the entire mood, it changes your emotions, it changes your perspective, and immediately you feel better when you use an affirmation. On a side note here, Susan, have you ever heard of the Mandela effect? It seems to be very popular amongst my listeners. No, I've never heard of it. What is that? You never heard of the Mandela effect? No, I haven't. What's that? Oh, my. I thought you might have had heard of this before. It's a very popular a very popular thing that's been going around here since I think probably, um, how long has this been going on folks? Years now, a couple years, the, the internet has kind of taken off with um, something called the Mandela effect. And it, it stems from Nelson Mandela passing away and people thinking he had died much earlier before he did. And there's all sorts of different examples of of this of the Mandela effect and other things stemming from I guess the Flintstones and um even things like Sex in the City and Forrest Gump different lines people don't seem to remember or they recalled them being differently and um that's called the Mandela effect and it's a very popular thing I thought you might have heard of it before no, what's the theory? Is that we're living two different alternate realities or that, something? That's another explanation for it. Yeah, parallel universes. It's parallel I think universes. it's been popular mm-hmm. since 2012, I believe. And mm-hmm. it's it hasn't gone away. It's still very popular amongst many listeners out there. So they wanted me to ask you that. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I have heard of this whole idea of parallel universes and there's different realities for different People, and also I've heard of the idea that the earth has split in two and that um, there are those of us who are living in a different reality, a different, on a, yeah, in a different earth, that. shall we say. Mm-hmm. I actually happened to get two emails about the Mandela effect and what your opinion was mm-hmm. on it, which is kind of funny since everyone's still talking about this. Is it's kind of It's kind of outrageous, to be honest with you. I just did a show on it. And, and people are still oh. hungry for it, which is why I'm just kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. But hey, you, you, you can't please everyone though. I can't do a show about the Mandela effect every night. I'm sorry, folks. So <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about exorcisms. And okay. it, it seems like they've gotten more and more popular over the years. It seems like. There's more reports of exorcisms going on in in places in the east, in, in the far east, in Israel. I remember uh, another guest talking about that, that, that reports of people being possessed out there. It's kind of strange, right? No, actually, 
a lot more people are possessed than what you think. Uh, actually, it's more oppressions rather than possessions. Mm. Uh, astral oppression is a little different than astral po- possession. And by the way, I was possessed when I from taking LSD. You were possessed. I, I had an yes. I got possessed. Yes. Susan, why and did it you was say very, that? Very, earlier? very unpleasant. Very frightening. Very horrible experience. Yes. Wow. And because of the fact that I've had the experience of it, um, you know, I've written in my books of, about how to heal that, how to heal astral possession. And it's really very simple. It's just a matter of using that self-authority affirmation that I mentioned and also uh, astral entity healing prayers or affirmations. And many people have, I've been able to help many people who have been possessed with these affirmations and prayers. And it's very effective, very, very effective. And a lot of people don't realize that quite a bit of mental illness has possession involved with ah, it. Ah, yes. I'm with and, you on that. You know, it's a problem, you know, and, and it, it would be so wonderful if more psychiatrists and psychologists really understood possession because they could help their patients a lot more if they did. And Susan, how did you know you were possessed? Because something had taken over my body. <laughs> it was yelling through me and talking through me and stuff. I mean, it was extremely scary. Jesus. And I scared everybody to death that was around me too, by the way. Were, were you, were you speaking in tongue, in tongues? What, what was going on? Oh, no, I was speaking the human language, but I was <laughs> yelling at the top of my lungs and it was not me. It was an entity through me. Wow. And, you know, and that possession that I was talking about never coming down from the drug, that was just basically the possession that took over after the drug was done. Mm, I see. For the first time I took LSD. It was not fun. No. Yeah, it does not sound fun whatsoever at no, all. No, nothing fun about it. It's not fun to be possessed. It's not fun to be insane. It's not fun. Nothing is fun oh, like no. that. No, not at all. And But meditation cured me, thank you, God. But meditation was, was the answer for you. It definitely was the answer for me. Meditation really healed me. But then I really had to learn more about possession and, and all those things because... You know, there's being healed and there's being healed. There's being really healed. So there's a lot of people that have astral influence. Let's just put it that way. And when you have astral influence, it really makes, it can make you feel depressed. It can make you feel anxious. It can make you feel off kilter. Uh, you know, just a little bit of astral influence can cause your day to go really crappy. And so just by using a few healing prayers and affirmations, which I teach, there's two of my books. One is called Instant Healing, and the other book is called Miracle Prayer. And so many people say that they just, you know, they they keep the, one of those books in their pocket all the time. Nice. And that they use the affirmations really a lot because it, it really helps them get through their day. It helps them so much to just live a very fulfilling and happy life. It's awesome. Yes, that's instant healing, and you can feel better in five minutes or less using powerful spiritual healing and affirmation methods that have proven effective for millions of people for the past 150 years. I believe mm-hmm. that's on your website yeah. there, yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting stuff. I, I think lots of our listeners can really come away from our interview here with with this food for thought. I think there's lots of people out there who are probably um, per- even perfectly possessed and, and they don't even know it. 
I think there's Absolutely. some, I think there's some people out there right now who are being attacked in the astral plane and people experiencing psychic vampires in their life. So lots of, yeah. those, lots of stuff we talked about here. I think lots of people are, are maybe going to become a little bit more aware of these things. And it's, it's, um, it's good that we had this talk. We, we definitely need to talk a little bit more about the whole spiritual self-defense side of this. Um, of, of the coin here because mm-hmm. you, you definitely have to consider all these things and lots of people out there completely unaware. They don't take any of this for right. consideration and we see this in society. And speaking of society, um, what exactly is your opinions on, on the mainstream side of, of the spectrum here, Susan? What, what, what do you mean? Reference to what? In reference to Everything going on in the universe right now, everything going on here in the United States and everything going on around the globe on this island Earth. Well, the awesome thing is that we are spiritually awakening and advancing at a very rapid rate. And this this world is changing into a more heaven, heaven on Earth kind of place. I mean, <laughs> if you see the difference, if you've lived as long as I have, you know that what it used to be like way back when. And what it's like now and how much more spiritually evolved people are and how much more curious they are about spiritual things. And people are not only learning about, but they're even experiencing meditation and all the, and yoga and all these ancient spiritual arts from the, from the Far East that they just didn't even exist back when, when I was young. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's a completely different place. We have, we have yoga offered on every street corner. We have martial arts offered. We have organic foods all over the place. We have all lush, wonderful, incredible uh, foods that people didn't eat when I, you know, when I was a kid. We were eating frozen dinners, and I mean, <laughs> we were eating steak and and uh, and potatoes, and that was it. I mean, and iceberg lettuce. That was dinner, and you know, it's really different now. People are much more aware spiritually on all different levels, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So I see a tremendous rise in consciousness. That's what I see. And it's getting better and better all the time. By the way, do you do readings? No, I don't do readings for people. Uh-uh. No? What I do is I, I teach people how to read for themselves. Ah, I teach okay. people how to how to listen to the still, small voice within so that they can get their own answers. Yes. All the answers always come from within, I've heard. They do. I believe it too, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I think lots of people don't ever really, like I said, they don't really take the time to ever consider anything like that. Well, it's just a matter of actually asking. Uh, everything that I teach is based upon one principle, ask and it shall be given unto you. So you have to ask. If you want to get something, you have to ask. So you have to ask a question if you want to get an answer from within. That's why... When I gave you the little exercise, mm-hmm. I was saying that you ha- you have to ask the question. And then you take the deep breath and you do the do-nothing program, but you do have to ask the question. Right. So, Susan, I do want to thank you for being on the program. I don't want to hold you up My too pleasure. long. Yes, I, I know we are limited in time here, so I don't want to talk my head off here because, you, like I said, you've written extensively on all sorts of things, and I could talk to you here for another good two hours on all, all these things, but... Undoubtedly. Yes, but again, 
I, I don't want to hold you up for too long. So I, I want to thank you very much for being on the program. Go ahead and plug your website and any upcoming appearance. Well, my website is drsusan.org. That's drsusan.org. There's a couple cruises coming up, the Ancient Mysteries Revealed cruise coming up in November. Uh, I do have another cruise. Uh, I, it's not on, actually, it's on the other website, divinetravels.com. I have two different websites, drsusan.org and divinetravels.com. And on divinetravels.com, you can find out about, for example, the, uh, the, uh, cruise to Greece and cruise to Tahiti and uh, the Passion and Purpose Cruise next year, and my Peru tours that I hold every year, uh, Machu Picchu. So check that out at divinetravels.com. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S.com. And once again, my personal website where you can find out all about my books. That's uh, drsusan.org. And if you scroll down, you can see all my books with all the awards that I've won for all my various books. I have like tons of awards shows on the page. Oh, yes. Which I'm very proud of. I just actually just got two new awards, the Nautilus. I'm so proud of my Nautilus award. Nice. So I'm re- really excited about that. And yeah. uh, very what can cool. I say? Pick Up Color Your Chakras. That's a really yeah. cool book. Fun. Easy. Has all the explanations about the chakras and also things to color. It's a really great book. Oh, yes. Check it out. Thank you once again for being here, and we will definitely touch base again in the near future, Susan. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. I had a lot of fun. Oh, me too. I hope you have a good night. You too. All right, take care. You too. Bye for now. Bye-bye. And that was Dr. Susan Shumsky, ladies and gentlemen. Great guest. Had a lot of fun with her. I hope you guys had a lot of fun too. Great interview. Don't worry. Round two is next. After that glorious break, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the program. That was a long break. A well-deserved break. Thank you for being here, folks. I see many of you are still around. I appreciate that greatly. Now, some folks out there wanted, they wanted me to ask Susan a bit further about this voice of God, and I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to really get into that with her. However, I think we could find the voice of God. I think we could find that. I think I, I, I might help you with that, folks. I think I could do something here. Let's let's see. I, I guess the voice of God isn't ready yet. If you want to talk to the voice of God, please feel free to give me a call now. 760-332-8947. Or 760-332-8724. One more time, don't be scared now. Call in if you want to talk to the voice of God. 760-332-8947 or 760-332-8724. Now you have the number. Please feel free to call in. Hmm, the voice of God. Where is he? Hello? The voice of God? Who has summoned me? Do you have a question, my son? Call in now. The hell was that? That scared the hell out of me. My God, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I don't know what that was. The voice of God came through. The hell was that? Oh. 
Is this who I think it is? Yes, it is. Is this who I think it is? Well, this is Michael. I'm not sure if you want to talk to me or the voice of God. I'm not sure. Okay, I, I, I'm a sucker. Go ahead, lay it on me. Star? Yes? Are you sure? Uh, no. <laughs> Are you sure you want to talk to the voice of God? Well, it depends. Does the voice of God want to talk to me? Well, the voice of God will answer any question you want. Well, you don't have Ouija board there, do you? Maybe. Uh, I thought so. Okay, go ahead. Put him on. Okay, let's see what the voice of God has to say. Star? Yes? What is it you need, my child? What do I, what, where, when? What do I need? What is it that you need, my child? God, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. You should know. You're God. Well, God does know everything, and I am God. Well, what do I need? What do I need? What do you need, my child? I just asked you that. My cat's looking at the... <laughs> my cat is looking at the speaker. God loves cats. Yeah, she's looking right at the speaker. <laughs> she's trying to tell you something, and I don't think I know what it is. Now she's looking at me out of the side of her eye. Maybe I can teach you a secret, my child. Yes, tell me a secret. Cool. God gossip. If you place your right hand over your cat's skull, very gently and listen quietly, all the answers will come to you. Okay. All right. I got it. I got it. It's her. Can you translate? Your cat is trying to tell you, my child. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sitting down? Yes. <laughs> Star, I'm not sure what happened there. Oh, the well, voice I was of God disappeared. I was waiting for the answer too, but the voice of God disappeared there. Oh. I'm not sure if he likes cats all that much. I think he might have lied. Wait a minute, he is a cat. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened there. I I think we might have been double crossed by someone. <laughs> I don't think that was the voice. I don't think that was the voice of God at all. It was. It was an impersonator. It might have been. It was a. It was probably one of those diabolical diabetics out there. Or diabolical dialers. Oh yes, those fabricators out there. So, Star, what's going on with you? Have you been enjoying tonight's program? Yes, yes, I found it quite interesting. Um. I can kind of relate to uh the back in the day she was talking about. Were you a hippie, too? I'm not going to go any further than that. You were a hippie? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was at, um, oh, what was that park? Um, damn it. There was uh, a love infest or something. No, it wasn't. It was, there were bands there, music, at it. It got raided by LAPD. Oh, my. And I was in the bathroom at the time they ascended upon this crowd of people. It was in the news and everything. Oh. And as I came out, I almost crashed smack dab into one of the, the police who was all decked out in the riot gear and everything. And mm -hmm. I, oh, excuse me. And he walked right by me as though I wasn't even there. He didn't even see me. And I almost snapped right into him, and I thought that was really weird. So maybe I was being protected. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had, or you have, survived that era. Oh, it was pretty cool. I lived in Topanga Canyon and everything. Very cool. And yeah. 
Starry, I, I did want to ask you a few things here now that I have you on here. These things had just come to my mind all of a sudden. I wasn't even going to talk Uh-oh. about this, but now I have become triggered all of a sudden. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh, indeed. Lately, I've been battling people left and right about what I believe and what I stand for and represent here on this program. I have not stood down for any of my convictions, and I've been dealing with more and more confused souls out there than you can imagine, and many of those are those pesky flat earthers. They are so angry at me. They have been sending me emails nonstop. One gentleman uh, gave me his, his number there, and apparently he wants to be on the program now. Uh, there's been a, a couple of those, and very angry, very angry. I time i mm-hmm. thought it was just a farce i thought it was just people no these people are real was, uh unfortunately they, they really believe that <laughs> stuff right i i don't know how they believe it i, I really don't but they well, are pissed well, they are pissed off at me well the next time you get a, an honest to god diagnable flat earther uh, uh well at, no 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 what i meant to say was uh, you should have a show who has uh, uh, a zealot flat earther with a zealot hollow earther. Let them duke it out. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring on that that gentleman who was very angry at me, who was telling me all these derogatory terms. I, I'll say these yeah. these slangs. Aww. Yes, he was very angry with me. I, I guess I'll go with that with that with that gentleman there. <laughs> It isn't good enough for them to say, let's just agree to disagree on anything. They have to make you believe the way they do or at least say you do. Yeah, but... They're not happy with mm-hmm. that. No, uh, no control freaks, thank you very much. Well, they sure got my attention hurling those inflammatory remarks. Well, get that, whoever that is on, with a devout hollow earther. I'll bring some, yes, I'll bring two. That would be great. I'll bring two opposing views here and let them go at it. (laughs) Yes. It's really interesting to see, though. I've never had that sort of issue before. I mean, it would always be maybe one or two emails every other week, and now it's really picked up. And, of course, I'm always being accused of some sort of... um. CIA agent now and being a part of the Illuminati now and all these weird things I get in, in my inbox. It's, it's kind of ridiculous and I don't. Well, at least you're not ordinary if they're putting you in, if they're grouping you with those people. At least I have you're no, not an ordinary I don't know why. person. You're interesting. I don't know why they would. It's very awkward. It's really unusual to read. And also the whole Michael Jackson thing. That really pissed people off too. Lots of emails about that. It, it seems. I, I wasn't pissed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pissed. But it was just very depressing to me to hear those kind of things happening to children. Whether or not Michael Jackson had anything to do with that part of it. Right. Uh, I hear you. But things. Just, this case yeah. isn't an open shut case at all. You know, these are just the names we see on the surface. In the 80s, early 80s, I I had one dream about Michael Jackson, and he was all dressed up in his, his stage clothes and everything, but he was sitting by himself, 
and he had this, uh, I can't explain the expression. He, it was like a childlike, and he just, he like looked at me for like, he didn't say anything, but it was like, help me. And he looked frightened, and it was just the weirdest feeling, and that, that was the dream. He, he looked helpless in the dream I had, and that was it. That's the only dream I ever had about him. That's kind of funny. This, mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was, uh, this was near the time that, uh, I gotten tickets to go to the commercial, the Pepsi commercial, and that's where he burned his hair. Oh, you were actually going to attend that? Yeah, no, I was. We did. Oh, we wait, were you there. were, you were actually there when that happened? Yes. Oh my goodness. You saw, you saw the downfall. That's when it all started. Yeah, well, it just, and he didn't even notice it at first because it, at that time, that's well, I wouldn't say the, downfall. The, what do you call the the afro, the big afro hair? Oh yes. So he didn't even notice it at first, right? Until it started flaring up, and then, uh, then everybody was, you know, on, on trying to get it out, and he took him off stage. That's some wild stuff there. Yeah. I didn't know you were there. I was there. That's pretty cool. So you were a big fan of Michael Jackson then, as well, many people were. Actually, my my. Mm-hmm. I lived in, I rented a house, there were two houses on this acreage where you could have uh, livestock for horses and goats and stuff. And the uh, lady in the other house and I had become really good friends, and her daughter was a huge Michael Jackson mm-hmm. fan. So right. I got tickets, and one of my sons wanted to go. The other one didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So my 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 her daughter, my son, and myself went. But mostly it was for her daughter because she was just, and she was in that age group for all the the, uh, the boppers or whatever you call them that were Michael Jackson fans that screamed like kids did for the Beatles. Yes. So, yeah, it was, it was more, it was, you know, I wondered, it would sound like something fun to do, but it was the daughter that was the big Michael Jackson fan. Understood, and... I can see why this is a very touchy subject, a very sensitive one. I know lots of people were out there listening. It was a pretty big audience listening, probably the biggest one I've had in a while. But people were afraid to call in. Well, yeah, and I didn't want to call in either. I understand, yeah, I understand. So now you're you're taking my call-in call to be from last week. Tricky, Mike. Mm. (laughs) I see. (laughs) <laughs> I see where you're going now. Star, I, I, I must ask you, though. I know you've been following the news probably a lot more than I have lately. Have you There's heard... There's a lot of news out there. Yes. You heard of the Doomsday Clock, right? Oh, that's the one for the... When the big bomb goes off and they keep changing it from 10 to 11 to 9 to 10 to 11. And they have the yes. color codes, orange and red and well, apparently- yellow. Apparently, this doomsday clock moved forward. Seattle oh, cited as mm-hmm, because uh-huh. of the okay, whole. Okay, I have my own thoughts on that. What exactly is your thoughts on North Korea? It seems like I, right I now. Think, mm-hmm. I think Kim Jong has been the big bully in the pool for so long. He's like the spoiled child, and the nannies and the parents have always let him get away with crap. So he thinks all is well. If you don't, I'm gonna do this, blah blah. And now he's got somebody standing up to him. And now he's nothing. Can, I don't think anything is gonna. I don't think he's gonna do a first strike on anybody. 
Yeah, for those who... I think who... he is all hot air. And I think handled correctly, things can turn out pretty good. I I think he can be diffused without blowing him up. Yes, and I'm with you on that. Hopefully we'll get that, that settled. And as you know, President Trump did warn that a major... Major conflict with North Korea was certainly likely. So, but he also, but he also invited Kim to the White House to discuss things. That's what he did. Yeah. Big, mm-hmm. There's, there is a lot behind what he said. It isn't everything it seems on the surface. That's part of diffusing him. It's like, oh, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there's always more for sure. That's just what we know on the surface. But I think Trump knows he's dealing with the big bully in the schoolyard, and there's a way to do that without blowing up the schoolyard. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Do you think we're going to see a World War Three? No. No? Nothing? I don't, I don't think so. I uh, Gut feeling, no. Probably not. Probably not. But I think a lot of people maybe are just like, See these protests going on, and a lot of them are paid. A lot of them are out there to trigger trigger people to do it, and a lot of them are kids that are just bored and have nothing better to do, and that's sad. Yeah, there's been and lots there's of a protesting lot of, going there's on. There's a lot of the nothing better to do crowd that ugh, it's frustrating. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I, I think you covered it fine here, and I, I was going through another email. Because I was I was reading these emails I've been getting, uh, you know, the flat earthers. But there is also another thing here. Um, someone sent me in regards to Michael Jackson. So I'm sorry, I, I got little got cut off there. Yeah, it says here uh, apparently that they're trying to murder me. I guess Michael Jackson sent out some sort of chilling letter predicting that he would soon be killed to a friend just weeks before his death, and this was. Posted on the Daily Mail, and I'm not sure how credible they are. What's your opinion on them, Star? Should we take their word? I, I never take anybody's straight word. Mm. Period. Yes, I'm with you on that. Um. Always ask questions. Yes. But isn't that interesting? It could, that isn't. It could have been. It mm. could have been his frame mm-hmm. of mind, whether he actually got it or got a letter and interpreted it that way. He was. A very tortured soul. Yes, and it could have been. Mm-hmm. It could have been. I didn't see. I haven't read the uh, the email about the letter. So I have this no was, idea. So I don't want to say too much because I really don't know what I'm talking about. This was just posted <laughs> just now, today. Oh, okay. And I was going to say, isn't that interesting since we've been, since I've been talking about Michael Jackson and all of a sudden I see an article here. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, secretnicity, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very odd that I would find this here. So what, is, what does the uh, email say the letter said? just says here that Michael Jackson predicted he would be murdered in handwritten notes he gave to a friend weeks before his death of a drug overdose in 2009. The letters will bolster the belief of many, including Jackson's daughter Paris and sister Latoya. By the way... Speaking of Paris, is that his biological daughter? I have no idea. I don't think I don't think that's I, really his daughter, his biological daughter. I know he had a daughter, and there was one time he was on a balcony showing the baby off, and he got all kinds of flack that he could have dropped the baby. So that 
Is that the baby you're talking about? No, that I think that was Blanket, the one he almost I, dropped. Over I, the... I haven't followed him, so mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. Can you believe it? <laughs> Can you believe it? Here we are in, in 2017, and we're talking about a kid named Blanket. Blanket? Is that? I mean, Jesus oh, Christ, that's the kid's name. Blanket. Blanket. I mean, really? <laughs> really? Really? You're going to name your kid Blanket? That's... What the hell is I that? I like what I was talking to his, his thought process. He just... I, I don't even, I don't even have the words. I don't either. Quoting John B. Wells there. Oh, speaking of, when is he going to be on the show next? Oh, you want me to bring him back on already? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, I've been, I've been meaning to call John and talk to him about a few different things. Cool. Yeah, I'll call his, his cell phone and, and see what's going on with him. See how he's doing and see if he can give me a little bit of advice on a few different things I wanted to pick his brain on. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's always a good interview when you have him on. Oh, I, I really enjoy John and a lot of his subscribers actually have emailed me and telling me how much they like his appearances with me, that they are very unique and different. And he seems, yeah. to, he seems to come alive when he talks to me. He does. There's, you two have this rapport going on and there's no script necessary. Maybe a few show notes on what the subject's going to be and then let you two go. And it's awesome. I, I mean, literally I had to prepare. Well, I didn't even actually prepare the, the second time to do it. Um, here's, here's a little background to that about maybe three days or two days. No, it was two days. Yeah. Two days before he was even on the program, I was going back and forth with, I, I believe his secretary and we were trying to set things up and we didn't know. She didn't know when we could do it. So I was just, you know, sitting by my phone or computer waiting for an answer. And then all of a sudden I get, get an answer saying, can you do it, uh, for tomorrow? And I just thought, well, I'm not going to have much time to prepare at all. So we'll just do it. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't, I didn't go in there with Dang any it. notes. Yeah. I just winged it the entire time. Um, I'm not sure if anyone realizes that. But mm-hmm. I, I just went with the flow on that one because me and John, like you said, we, we definitely have a very different chemistry here. Yeah, it's, it's a good rapport. And it just, I've heard, uh, he's been on your show twice, I think, correct? Yes, once on this show and one on yeah, the last yeah, rendition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, both times, you two just got the show up running and it was great. Very interesting. Oh, yes. It was very, very fun. Great dynamic there. And you know, this article, going back to Michael Jackson quickly here, I'll, <laughs> I'll post it up. I'll post it up on Twitter for those who are curious because I know some people want to see that article since we're talking about it. And then all of a sudden, since, you know, we were talking about Michael Jackson here habitually and then now we're seeing this article all of a sudden. And as some people believe, there's no such thing as coincidences. Yeah. Oh, I heard the kitty. Oh, yes. She wants me to play with her. And if I don't, she'll sneak up behind me, stick her claws in my butt, and then run away. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Poke and run. That does not sound good. So she wants to play. She's not being mean. Mm. By the way, another thing I I did want to ask you here. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, I know you've been following the weather. Yes. And earthquakes and, and all of that stuff. 
and solar flare activity. Not so much the solar flare. Oh, no, you haven't yeah, been following they, they that? Figure in. What, what's been going on in terms of the weather? I've been experiencing some weird things out here in California. Okay, well, it's, I definitely believe we're having climate change, but not for the popular reasons. I think it's a huge cycle that we go through, I don't know, every several thousands of years, and this is, this is a normal cycle for Earth. But we humans, with our short little lifespans, are going, ah, and <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's, it's pretty much par for the course. And instead of freaking out over it, you just kind of get a sense of what's going on in your immediate surroundings and prepare for it. And you'll either make it or you won't. There isn't a whole lot you can do yes. about it when, when the whole galaxy or solar system or maybe universe who knows is going through a cycle i mean it's bigger it's the big kid and it does what it's doing and that's that i hear you <laughs> i just hope i don't experience another dramatic earthquake like i did back in 2010 now where were you in 2010 well i was living in a small city not far from here named imperial and I experienced the very, very powerful earthquake that left me in a daze. What kind of a structure were you in? I was actually outside oh, in my okay. front yard. Yeah, that's where I experienced the horror and terror in the faces of my neighbors, which was something like a George Romero film. Okay, well, the chances right now of having the big one actually... Northern California, the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. what there, there's a slow slip going on right now, and pressure moves from the north to the south. So, if anything, the north is going to get hit first, and then the south. So, just keep your eyes. I can, I'll give you a link to this, the earthquake update I listen to every night at nine. I missed it nice. tonight. Yes, be here with you guys. Oh. Love that. But, send send uh, it to me over Twitter so I could. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah yeah yeah. Um. But at any rate, uh, it he's spot on. He's he's got an eighty five percent accuracy rating. Oh wow. Eighty well eighty to eighty five percent, and it's simply on how pressure moves around the globe uh, on the plates. The um, oh god, I can't think of the names right now. That's and okay. What what triggers what deep Earthquakes trigger shallower, larger magnitude earthquakes. So if you have like a, a 4.0 deep earthquake, that might trigger a 5.0 shallow quake, uh, Triggered. In, in whatever line the, the uh, pressure is going. Triggered. And we had that big six point something up in Alaska here a few days ago. And that's already triggering more slow, slow slip. And that four point that was off, uh, Northern California coast. So, yeah, it's just knowing mm -hmm. what might be coming your way and being prepared for it. And there's not going to be any 10 pointer. Uh, for sure. You would. <laughs> for sure. And what we're getting right now, not stuff off shelves. So, uh, if you're in an earthquake zone, have the, the earthquake cabinet latch thingies. Uh, don't put your favorite sculptures up on the mantle if it's going to fall down and break. Or have stuff sitting up high that might fall down and hit your head. 
have your shoes next to your bed at night. So if there is a quake and glass gets broken, you don't walk through broken glass. Ouch. And they, now the, yeah, this, this is short term preparedness. Long term preparedness is when you have your food and your water and, uh, stuff you might need for a few days if there's, you know, gas or electricity disruption. But the short term is knowing what to do during the quake. Yes. And since we're talking about this, I am also in contact with this gentleman who owns a company, an underground survival bunker company, survival bunkers. They're called Vivos. Yeah, they're, I believe that's their name, Vivos, and that's TerraVivos.com. Mm-hmm. And they have these elaborate survival bunkers, and I was invited to go to some event. I believe it's called X-Fest Survival Festival, and I don't think I'm going to make it. It's out in South Dakota, if anybody wants to go out there. If you want to go and um, experience <laughs> this very interesting I guess um you meet up with the team with fellow preppers and you I guess you go on some sort of some sort of hike. People are like bike riding and kayaking and they're on horses here and I guess you get to go inside a a, a very expensive bunker and it I seems know. it bunker. seems like a fun idea to me. It it, it seems cool. I, I would definitely go. However, I'm not sure if I, I'm going to go. Bunkers are fine for people who own their own homes and property, have room for it, and can afford it. But people who live in apartments or rent houses or don't have, you know, a lot of property to sink a bunker in, it's not very, uh, not reasonable. But I don't know. I've always, <laughs> I've always thought of bunkers as like glorified man caves. I mean, really, if you want protection, <laughs> You get a bunker man cave. Just sent you a link there. Yeah, these oh, these it. things are insane, by the way. They're massive. And that's TerraVivos.com for anyone out there who's listening and wants to check this out. I believe I'll be doing an interview with the owner. And we're going to talk about all these things. And, of course, uh the whole business right now is, I bet, ballooning. Especially at a time like this. Ballooning? Oh, blooming! Blooming, I yes. Said, I thought you said blooming. Oh no, oh no. However, I, I did talk to the owner, and he seemed like a very great guy, a very nice guy, a very humble guy. And I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers here, but he has a very good story, a very heart, a very heartfelt story. Cool. Yeah, and yes, these bunkers aren't exactly that cheap. I know, I know. But you can make them pay for themselves by turning them into, well, you can't even call them man caves. They're man bunkers. You think they're man caves? Glorified man caves? Man bunkers now. Man bunkers. I'm going to have to remember that. I'll bring that up to him when, when I bring him on, the owner. I need to borrow some money for my man bunker. <laughs> I want to build me a man bunker. That's so funny. <laughs> um, Before I let you go, there is another issue here, not between me and you, but between the FCC and Mr. Stephen Colbert on his recent tyrant against Donald Trump on the air. Did you happen to no, see I that? No, I didn't see that. I totally missed it. I'm not I, a, I heard he lost. He mm, totally lost his mind. I'm not Is a big well. I'm not a big fan of the FCC. I have my own history with that. 
And I don't exactly know why they are getting involved with it, with any of this, but I'm sure they have their reasons. I, I believe they... Ratings? <laughs> no. Well, I'm talking about well, the FCC I having... Well, the FCC covers mm-hmm. the, what can be said and what can't be said on... Um, At certain hours, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know that they can be bought. Of course. That's very okay. true. I just think is... Is this ultimately bad? Are they trying to get rid of free speech? Is free speech being taken away? That's what, that's, okay, that's the only, fun. that's the only thing that's on my mind. I don't, I don't really care for the FCC or Stephen Colbert. So that's not my issue. I, I could, I could really care less. However. That would be an interesting topic to bring up sometime. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, I just think they're taking freedom of speech away from us. Yeah, people should be able to say what they want. Even if it's that obscene. There are certain reasonable things. I mean, you cannot get up there and threaten a person, especially a person in a high position. Uh, You can't, it's like screaming, you can't scream fire in a theater. Sure. Or whatever relates to that on the air. Oh Uh, my, you know, you know what's so funny now that you mentioned that? Here, here's, here's a funny one for you. I was actually at a fire. No, no, check this out. I was actually at a bank. I, I went to Chase. I got an account with Chase. You know the, you know the bank. Yeah. Chase, right? Yeah. Okay. So I went in there and I was waiting in line to go withdraw some money. And while I'm waiting in line, there is a gentleman who was trying to fix one of the machines. And there's this lady who's standing there and she's helping, I guess, people who don't know what they're doing basically with the machines. And so we, we have these people who help out these women who stand in line and help you out with the machine if you're having uh, trouble. So I'm in line and this woman's right there and I look over to her and I say, hi. And I say, excuse me, is that man, is this, is that man robbing the bank? And, and she looked at me in, in horror. And then I, and I go, Oh God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. And then she started laughing out loud. And I, I guess it's, it's, you had to have been there, that sort of thing, but you should have oh. saw her face. It was pretty funny. And then I apologized for, I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to say that here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't say hi, Jack, on the plane either, especially when you're saying hi to Jack. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. I would be afraid to say certain things on those, on certain airlines. Seems like people are getting roughed up, huh? Oh, yes. <laughs> In fact, people are getting uh, the their CEOs, ass kicked out there. CEOs were, uh, in, oh, which one was it? It was on C-SPAN. They were up for, re, uh, oh, what do you call it? Anyway, they were being questioned by, uh, the Senate or the House, one or the other, about mm. what the hell was going on with that, poor, you mm. know, it's overbooking and then dragging people off and saying, no, we don't want to go. And they said, well, first of all, stop overbooking. Yeah. And there's a reason they do that. And then if you do overbook, offer people something they really might take instead of this, you know, piddly ass whatever they offer the people. Give them something like, you know, 10 grand or 20 grand. They might just go ahead and say, sure, let's do that. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, yeah, that's, I hear you. I, I caught part of that. And of course the, uh, what was it, American Airlines, where they went and, and it was a doctor who had surgery the next morning he was trying to get to and they dragged him off. I think, was it United Airlines? 
I think it was it. Yes, yes, yes. United. I'm sorry. I'm not even sure. And there's the, there's the so many. Of them. He was all. I'm so sorry. And yes, we've got to do this, and it's my fault. And just a yada yada yada. I don't believe. If he hadn't gotten caught, it would have kept going on. Exactly. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. It sort of reminds me of those wackos out there in Florida, those politicians. <laughs> there was another a Florida state senator who hired models as consultants, then resigned after using some sort of racial slur. I mean, does that does that really surprise you? By the way, I don't really actually need to read any I of this. I didn't hear about it, but it doesn't surprise me it happened. Yeah, you know, we should probably stop holding these people up to a high standard as they habitually prove time and time again that there, they're There are three politicians that, that I actually respect. That's <clears throat> Trey Gowdy, uh, Chaffetz, and Jim Jordan. And Chaffetz is retiring next year, which is really sad. You don't respect but Mayor Rob Ford? Who? <laughs> Rob Ford, smoking crack? Oh, I'm not familiar with him, so... Or Marion he- Barry? Another man. These guys are all smoking crack, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm, and I'm sorry. And I don't respect any of the politicians. <laughs> well, I can't say that because there are, there are a couple that are trying their best to get California back on track, and they uh, just. I don't even know what to say when I when we bring up issues in California. It just it just kills my heart because oh I was born and raised there, and to see what's happened to it just oh god, it just despondent. It's a lot different now out here. Beautiful state. Oh yes, I love California, but there's lots of things with the law I just don't agree with. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, I won't take too much time getting into any of that since we are kind of running out of time here. So I do want to thank you for calling in. It was nice talking to you, Star. Thank you very much. Nice talking with you too. And see you around. All right. See you on the flip side. Okie doke. Bye bye. And that was Star, ladies and gentlemen. Great caller there. Also, recently I had seen a photo of Charlie Sheen. I thought he was dead already. I guess that's a case of the Mandela effect, right? Poor guy. Very poor guy. Now, a few nights ago, a photo was posted by a buddy of mine. I believe originally it was posted on Facebook, and then he had emailed me the photo asking me my opinion on it. So I checked it out, and it reminded me of what I have been seeing over the skies of El Centro now. I've mentioned that there is a naval air facility nearby. What I saw in the photo was a triangular craft, and this particular craft has been seen over the skies over El Centro for a long duration of time now. I can only wonder if perhaps this, in fact, is one of ours. Taking Dr. Albert Taylor's words for absolute truth, I will believe him when he said, that they had technology 50 to 60 years ahead of its time, and that was back in 73. Going back to what my father described as what he saw above the house as just floating, like a stingray in the air, he claims. It scared my mother back further into religion. I assume this is only a natural reaction to what an unsuspecting mind would process. The photo, of course, I'm not sure how legit it is. Either way, that design kind of reminded me of what I had seen several months ago in the sky. Doesn't matter if the photo is real or not. There has been multiple sightings uh, here and not far from where I am. Seen in Mexico, seen here in El Centro, 
And then, of course, seen over the skies of Arizona. Arizona is a strange place, by the way. It's all very fascinating. Now, I did want to go into something here, but seeing that it is kind of getting late here, I will save that for next week when I make my return. I, of course, want to remind all of you, if you did miss a show, go back to michaeldeacon.com and check out all those shows you might have missed. Lots of shows you might have missed or had no idea even existed. So go back to michaeldeacon.com for any past show you might have missed, that old so common issue we all need to resolve. Please spread the word about this program. It certainly helps. Also, if you do like the show, go ahead and donate. And thank you to those who have already donated. There is a PayPal donation button on the website. Please feel free to donate. We're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather get the kind that folds. Keep your eyes on the stars and your feet on the ground, folks. Keep your head above water, boys. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Illuminati. Yeah, we won't go into behind them, but the Illuminati certainly is part of the whole thing. That the top members of the Illuminati are open I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like you can just see it. It's clear. How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hulk right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 7.26. Oh, Granny. I like Granny. I'm a TV real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel